1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis
2: Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on the day that the French Open draw has just been made. But before we get to any of that, Catherine, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it's our first birthday as a tennis podcast and uh, it was this time last year when we sat here dissecting the French Open draw in 2012 and here we are doing it again. Isn't it amazing? We've had This is our 42nd episode and I think we've done very well. How about that?
1: We're like the Queen. We get two birthdays. <laughs>
2: <laughs> very good. Absolutely. And we're going to celebrate our birthday with a interview, an interview rather, with Serena Williams. Serena Williams spoke to us a couple of months ago uh, in an interview I did for BBC Radio 5 Live and we are kindly allowed to play that here on the Tennis Podcast today. So we'll do that after we've gone through the French Open draw and uh, it has unearthed some fascinating draws, as it always does, of course. A couple of disappointments, first of all, though, Catherine, because we, we haven't got Andy Murray and we haven't got one Martin Del Potro. I don't think either of those are great surprises. But what did you make of Andy Murray's decision to pull out?
1: Um, I think it's a very sensible one. You know, if, if, if we have got all the information, I don't think there's any reason to think that, you know, he's, he's not being totally straight about the situation it sounds very sensible to me I mean struggling through a couple of rounds at the French and then and then losing potentially doing further damage to his back I mean in the long run what what use is that um, yeah. so I, I really think he's he's made a very sensible decision
2: if I'm a hundred percent honest I on the eve of him pulling out you know a, a couple of people on Radio 5 Live, in their preview show, Neil Harman and, and Joe Jury and Jonathan Overham were, were discussing it, giving their view as to whether they thought he would pull out or not. The only one that thought he would was Joe Jury. I think we all shared the view, and, and I definitely felt this, that Andy is the kind of character, the competitive spirit would come out and he would try and play through whatever he'd got. I think this actually shows some new maturity from him and the fact that he was... Prepared to withdraw mid-match for only the second time in his career was probably the telltale sign in Rome.
1: New maturity, hopefully, I hope you're right, I hope it is a new maturity rather than than that the back injury is really quite bad. I hope that it's... Yeah,
2: that's a fair point.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, he, he's not given any indication that, you know, he's talking very positively about having a few weeks rest and, and uh, being... Being ready for the grass court season, he's speaking very positively about that. So we've got no no real reason to panic yet. Although, as you say, it is out of character for him. So I just hope that it's not because he he thinks deep down this is quite a major long term problem.
2: Yeah, and Del Potro is is a loss, isn't he? I mean, he. Uh... He's uh, got a bronchial problem, a, a virus of some kind. I, mean, I think what it says is that there's just no point going into the French Open, the most gruelling of all the Grand Slam tournaments, if you're not 100% fit. What is the point?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think, it, I think, as you said, the French Open is the one where you're least able to to paper over the cracks, I suppose, of any injury, um, just because of how gruelling it is on, on your body and matches go long there and and there's no hiding with five set matches is there so no that's that's a real loss because he was in an interesting outsider wasn't he he was somebody that on the form that he was showing could have could have shaken things up a bit and and um, it
2: reduces my chances from from four grand yeah. slam tournaments for him to reach the final as i predicted he would at the start of the year to three and in fact he's only got two left now
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. And and if I mean, and that's that,
2: what he was thinking as well. I'm sure he was thinking if I pull out now, I, I'm costing David Law a chance here. But I've just got to be sensible about it.
1: I'm sure it was one of his major considerations. Yeah, I'm sure it was right up there on the list.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, the draw is out as we've said, and it has unearthed, unearthed a couple of gems certainly as we go through the draw. But the, the interesting talking point, from my perspective, Catherine, is the fact that Nadal and Djokovic have been drawn in the same half of the men's draw, in the top half, meaning that they won't reach the final. Neither Well, one of them will, but potentially, but not both of them. They won't meet in the final, and they could face each other in the semis. That really opens up a great possibility for a new finalist, perhaps, out of the bottom half of the draw.
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, looking at Federer's form, I, I know he reached the final in Rome, but I, I don't think he was particularly impressive there. Um, yeah, certainly. Federer being the big name in in the other half of the draw, and him looking as he does, which is he's not dominating, I think it does pave the way a little bit for. Um, well, not so much as a surprise because we're we're predicting it, I suppose. But um, but certainly somebody. Um, Somebody new, so perhaps a new grand slam finalist. Um, yeah, yeah. I know Thomas Burditch has already reached a Wimbledon final, but that was some time ago now. So I, I, you know, that would be new territory for him again. I certainly think he's one of the ones, one of the names uh, to be considered.
2: If we if we work ourselves from the top down, Catherine in that top half of the draw where obviously Djokovic is right at the top because he's the world number 1. He plays uh, he's got a tough draw I think actually Djokovic overall. The first round he's got David Goffin. The uh, young Belgian player, who a lot of people have expected a lot from him, the the talent is is clear. I I just think he's not ready to, to push Djokovic at a Grand Slam tournament on clay yet. I can't see it.
1: He still looks like a fourteen year old, doesn't he?
2: He does. Um,
1: well, yeah. Although it was uh, it was at the French that he he's had his best results so far. He obviously likes it there. Um, the clay suits him. So, um, he could he could produce. Produce a performance of note, I suppose I certainly wouldn't be predicting him to win that that match though.
2: What about the third round? If they both get there, Djokovic against Dimitrov—a rematch. Dimitrov
1: got to get there, though? Oh, he's a he good
2: I think he's got Alejandro Faya at one stage, I believe. But uh, uh, um, okay. you know, I'm, I'm just assuming That's he's going to get the there. That's
1: just the sort of match that he would lose,
2: though, isn't it? <laughs> Steady, <laughs> um, but the—it the, would be interesting, wouldn't it, that for them to face each other over the best of five in Djokovic's eyes would widen at that prospect, wouldn't they? He would love to just inflict the most devastating revenge possible on Dimitrov for having the temerity to beat him in Madrid a couple of weeks ago.
1: I think so, but um, we've got a question mark over Djokovic, haven't we? Um, which worries me, because I, I must emphasise that my prediction for him to win is still was, made, was made prior to any still uh, injury injury. Um, Question marks that then now are hanging over him.
2: Oh, okay. All right. Well, no. You said Djokovic would win the title, and you've got to stick by it. And, well, you uh, said
1: Del Potro would reach if he, if he. <laughs> I, I don't. He's think not that's even fair, playing. David. He's not I even don't think playing.
2: You can't. No, come on. Del Potro's not even playing the event. That's not fair. Well,
1: I I, I think the arguments there speak for themselves. I'm not going to dignify that with a response. I mean, if Djokovic isn't fully fit, that's that's a total game changer.
2: He's clearly fully fit. Anyway, uh, it's what do you think? Do you think Dimitrov will reach the third round? What do you think?
1: Um, uh, Remind me again. So we think he's got Alejandro Fire and.
2: Oh, I don't know. I, 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 I haven't seen it. Hold on a second. Let me Do just bring it he up here on my so screen. Let's, let's just um, react immediately to Catherine's request here. And the Ralengaros draw reveals that Grigor Dimitrov has in the first round Mr. Alejandro Faya. Exactly that. And then he plays either Alex Kuznetsov or Lucas Puil from France. So, uh, you know, come on. Come on, Grigor. You've got to get through those 2 um, haven't you?
1: It would be a huge disappointment if he didn't, but I can see it. I can see him losing one of those. But no, go on then. I'll I'll predict him to reach the yeah. um, the third round. He really ought to, and then gets, to, he and then really gets smashed
2: to. by Djokovic, won't he? Yeah. Yeah, I think oh, okay. so, yeah. <laughs> and, and if uh, Djokovic gets past that, could end up playing either Tommy Haas or John Isner in the quarterfinals. two players that have caused him problems in the past. So Tommy not
1: Haas, the... I would venture to guess. I don't yeah, sort of well, think I t- much anything...
2: of John Isner's chances. Oh, I don't know. Matchup. On play at the French, John Isner's... You know, You've
1: been made... stung by predicting good things for John Isner before they, David.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Tommy Haas is about 78 years old. I mean, what chances has he got of getting that far in the... On the clay.
1: Well, he's done right so far this season, yeah, hasn't he? That's
2: true. Anyway, Nadal could await in the semis. Now, Nadal, how about this one? We talk about revenge with Dimitrov. Nadal could have to face Lucas Rossell in round three.
1: Oh, you think Lucas Rossell is getting to round three? Do you? Yeah,
2: I do. He, he won. He won Bucharest on clay. He's, he's in form, that man. I'm telling you. But
1: but, but he. But we've discussed before that he's a man that formed doesn't mean that much, does it? Because one week That's he true. can be hitting the lines and the next minute he'll be just just missing.
2: Well, so, he's got a I qualifier mean... first up as Lucas Rossell and then it would be the Fabio Fanini who would be the favourite in the match against Rossell if they played each other in the second round. Nadal uh, starts off against Daniel Brands of Germany who's a, a pretty strapping German player who, you know, you don't mess around with, but uh, I would have thought Nadal would polish him off cl- comfortably enough, and then Martin Clizan or Michael Russell in the second round are the potential opponents. The rest of the, the, the half of the draw for Nadal looks pretty good. I mean, the, the quarter final stage could see him play against either Stanislas Wawrinka, who has had injury problems, or Richard Gasquet. So I, I kind of think Gasquet might come through, you know.
1: Really, Gasquet over Vavrinka?
2: Yeah. yeah, I just I'm not convinced by Vavrinka's fitness at the moment, but okay. we will see. We will see. Uh, you know, I, I, I've just got a feeling Gasquet might get to the quarters, and he probably won't stand much chance against Al In all honesty.
1: Okey doke. Well, we time will tell. What do you think? Um, I I find Gasquet unconvincing. I don't think he not quite to sort of Maresmo-esque levels but I don't think he responds um, as well as he could to playing in front of a a home crowd, as he will be Um, and I just, I doubt him in the big moments, I doubt him I don't doubt his talent and his ability but um, he does not fill me with confidence, let's put it that way
2: Sorry, Richard. Uh, Catherine's giving you the big thumbs down there. In the bottom half of the drawer, now we've got this big question mark. Who are going to be the two to come through?
0: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door.
2: Now, Federer is the obvious choice because he's the second seed and he's at the bottom of the draw there and he's won the title before. But there are question marks over Federer. He's only played a couple of matches, really, or a couple of tournaments, rather, since uh, Indian Wells. And that's a good three months ago, two or three months ago. But he did reach the final in Rome before getting polished off by uh, Mr. Nadal. So who else could, could come through? Thomas Burdich, we've talked about. He's in great form, but he's got a tough start to the draw, Catherine. He plays Gail Monfils first round, and then if he wins that, he may have Ernest Gulbis, who beat him at Wimbledon last year.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt that's tough. Gulbis isn't a great matchup for him because of quite similar styles, and we know Gulbis does like the clay and the big occasion. Monfils, in contrast to. Richard Gasquet is somebody that, that responds brilliantly to, uh, to to having the home crowd on his side. So yeah, that's true. It, it's a hideous draw, um, but still one that he should he should come through because because um, of where he's ranked and because of how his form has been over the past few months. He really should shouldn't be cowed by a draw like
2: that. David Ferrer is in that quarter as well uh, at the bottom half of that section, uh, that quarter of the draw. Uh, he plays Marinko Matosovic from Australia in the first round. Nothing too worrying, I think, for for, for Ferrer in the first three rounds. He could be against Marcel Granois or Feliciano Lopez, whoever comes through that one. But I, I would have thought that Ferrer's going to get through personally to to the certainly the quarterfinals yeah and, and I'd, it, I'd and, be
1: very surprised not to see him in the quarterfinals
2: and then um, you know maybe Burditch in the in the quarters but I would probably fancy Ferrer on on clay really
1: I I agree with you I agree I, I'd be very surprised not to see a burditch Ferrer quarter and uh, I think I'd give the edge to to Ferrer there.
2: Federer's got an absolute dream of a draw, Catherine. He starts against a qualifier, and if he wins that, he's got the winner of two qualifiers. <laughs> so uh, it's, uh, it's He does all...
1: love carving up a qualifier, doesn't he, in the early rounds? That's yeah, his
2: specialty. Uh, it could be Julian in round three. He gave him a fantastic match at Wimbledon last year. I remember having the chance to commentate on that for Five Live, and it was one of the best matches I've had the pleasure of witnessing from centre court commentary box and Federer eventually squeaked through in five sets absolutely fantastic stuff it was Gilles Simon could be his fourth round opponent and he always beats Gilles Simon comfortably enough or it could be Sam Querrey who's a big hitter but again you just think Federer would move him around and carve him up I suppose it all depends how fit Federer is doesn't it really?
1: Yeah it does and (laughs) Do you mean fit in terms of injury or do you mean fit in terms of match practice? Uh, for and... me
2: for me the, the back injury is, is the one to always watch out for. If his back's a hundred percent, I think he's gonna be fine. Um it could be Songa in the quarterfinals. He's got that section at the at the the top of that section, he's there. Um and I suppose you would expect him to come through most of the players in that section. There's nobody. There's no real nasty clay quarter. Maybe one Monaco is is, is tough uh, in that part of the draw as well for, for somebody like Songa. But um, it's a great draw for Roger Federer. Whichever way you carve it up, really, he should reach the semi-finals.
1: He should. He's not going to win, though. I really don't think I was not impressed in Rome. And I'd be very surprised to see him uh, lifting the trophy.
2: He's on Twitter, you know, uh, Catherine, oh, Is Roger knows. Federer. He, he managed to surpass our Twitter following in about four seconds. <laughs> um, and, he, and he managed to get to 180-odd thousand followers in about two hours, something like that. Um, <laughs> But, uh, What's know, he
1: been tweeting? Anything of particular interest?
2: Uh, well, last time I looked, he'd only put one out there <laughs> and just to say, hello, I'm here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that was enough for most people. I, I noticed, in fact, he's probably going to be one of these who who can just tweet anything, any old nonsense and get it retweeted, retweeted by 100,000 people isn't he? I mean, uh, I saw that Justin Bieber bloke once, uh, once tweeted, tired, or something like that, and, and 100,000 people retweeted that for some reason. It's what,
1: it's what the world wants to know.
2: It is, absolutely. Uh, So that's the the men's draw. What about the women's draw, where obviously Serena Williams, our interviewee on the Tennis Podcast here in episode 42, is very much the favourite, and uh, she starts off against Anna Tatashvili, uh, could play against Serana Castella in round three, the Romanian who's a big hitter but uh, pretty erratic. And also in her quarter, Serena Williams, lies... Laura Robson and Caroline Wozniacki who face each other in the first round. Now, my Wozniacki prediction is looking worse, even though she's in the draw, it's looking worse than my Del Potro one. It really
1: is. I said I, Wozniacki gets get to a uh, final this year. I think Robson year. will take care of her, I really do. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was willing Robson to get a, 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 a draw against a, seed, a big-name seeded player, but perhaps not a a Sharapova or a a Serena, exactly someone of the ilk of Wozniacki, uh, so that she'll be on a show court. Uh, Wozniacki's had a torrid time on the clay this year. Um, I I really think uh, that is the ideal first-round draw for Laura Robson.
2: Wow, I wonder if she's actually the bookies' favourite for that match because I I could probably believe it. Um, you know, I'll have to have to check that out at some point. Uh, but uh, anyway, I, I, I can't see Robson going that far at the French Open on clay. But you never know; it's quite quick conditions there. Although the weather does look a bit ropey, so that'll probably slow it down. In the bottom half of the women's draw, Catherine uh, lie both Victoria Azarenka and Maria Sharapova. It's pretty tough, though, to see beyond Serena, isn't it? I know. I think a year ago, to the day, I said exactly the same thing, and then she lost to who was it? Virginie Roana Pascal was it?
1: Yes, but I think she's in even even better better form this year than last year. Certainly, you know the start I mentioned in was the last Rosano? podcast about this being a longest winning streak. To, I, can't,
2: I can't remember who it was she lost to last year. Was it, Rosana it or Rosano? Rosano. That's it. Rosano, right.
1: Yeah. Um, No, I'm not seeing beyond her. I would be tremendously surprised. I mean, I was surprised to see Sharapova win last year. Um, But you have to think that had Serena not had that surprise loss and it had come down to... If Sharapova had had to play Serena last year, I would, you know, we'll never know. But I'd be surprised if she'd still ended up uh, the French Open champion. So, barring and I I think Serena's greatest risk is, is something similar to that to what happened last year happening again, I don't see her losing to any of the other other big names. Um, it's hers to lose, frankly.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Well, I think we should speak to Serena Williams, who is as driven as ever, as she tells us here on the Tennis Podcast. And I started off by asking what goes on inside her mind before matches and after matches, matches that she's won when she still seems unimpressed with her performances, she still watches, wants to watch the video and see where she's gone wrong even after title victories what exactly goes on in the mind of Serena Williams?
3: The mind inside of a mind of a maniac and <laughs> I feel like I am just a maniac I am, um, no I feel like I am, um, I feel like uh, I just, there are things I could do better and I, this whole week I wasn't really satisfied and I want to, you know I want to get better and I think when I feel like I can get better it's something that keeps me going and keeps me motivated
2: I look at your your record, and it stretches back fifteen years. Extraordinary yeah, to, to <laughs> extraordinary to think that. What, what is keeping you going? What is driving you, Serena?
3: Well, I feel like um, if I can play tennis and I can be the best or I can win grand slams or, you know, any of those things that motivates me, um, it keeps me going. And I I live for those moments. I live to, for the moment to lift up the trophy. And um, it's what I love to do. It's, it's what I'm good at. And that's one thing I know I'm good at. And so it keeps me motivated.
2: And you have 15... 15- grand slam titles do you know them already how big a goal and incentive are those history books
3: they usually they weren't an incentive in the beginning and maybe that was a mistake but um they're big incentive now um because i'm close to them but i'm still really far away even though i'm so close because each match you know you put everything on the line if you lose you're out
2: and you are only three away. I mean, it's still a lot. It's three so close,
3: gr- but it's so far still. So <laughs> it's like, you know, it seems so reachable, but, you know, with... Players playing so well—it's—it's it's definitely not easy. It's—it's it's
2: Chris Everton, Martin, and Avratelova who are on 18 Grand Slam titles. How aware are you of that? Is that in your sights?
3: It is in my sights, but uh, like I said, I'll just take it one step at a time. I, who knows? I'll ever even win another one, but um, I'll be—I mean, 15 is great. It's not anything to complain about.
2: Not at all. It's mm-hmm. a fantastic record. How, when you sort of got a bed at night do you think about tennis do you think about about what you want to still achieve
3: sometimes not often but sometimes and then I think okay Serena do not think about tennis right now just relax and that's when I know I need to take a step back and like just be normal
2: do you wake up with aches and pains
3: ever never it's so weird like I don't I wake up every day like today I was tired but it was just because I overworked yesterday um but no I wake up jumping and running playing with my dog and you know I don't feel I feel absolutely nothing so yeah do you ever
2: think about how long you're going to do it for
3: um no I don't think about it I feel like one day I'll wake up and I'll know when I want to stop and when I don't want to stop but I'm really having so much fun and I feel like I missed a year with with my accident and you know I have some time to make up
2: that's a pretty amazing story when I think back to that accident that that you had, that here you are on top of the tennis world against players that are at the top of their games. You mustn't have thought at the time, if I'd have told you at the time that this could happen, could you have believed that?
3: Well... I left on top when I had that accident. I was number one, and so I definitely didn't want things to end like that. I mean, my goal was obviously to win Grand Slams, but having achieved the number one ranking, I definitely couldn't have envisioned that again. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool.
2: It's a fantastic story. Well done today, and um, good luck for the future.
3: Thank you very much.